It's time to think differently about healthcare, but how do we keep up? The days of yesterday's medicine are long gone, and we're left trying to figure out where to go from here. With all the talk about politics and technology, it can be easy to forget that healthcare is still all about humans. And many of those humans have unbelievable stories to tell. Here, we leave the policy debates to the other guys and focus instead on the people and ideas that are changing the way we address our health. It's time to navigate the new landscape of healthcare together and hear some amazing stories along the way. Ready for a breath of fresh air? It's time for your Paradigm Shift. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare, and thank you for listening. I'm Michael Roberts with my co-host, Jared Johnson. On today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Ariana Demers from Restore Orthopedics and Sports Medicine in Sonora, California. She's a board member of the Interventional Orthopedics Foundation, group that focuses on education in the field of orthobiologics. Hi, Dr. Demers, and welcome to today's show. Hello. Thank you so much for the invitation today. It's great to be here. It's our pleasure. It's definitely our pleasure. So we're just going to dive right in. First off, let's talk about what drew you to this field. What drew you to the field of orthobiologics in the first place? Well, as you know, I'm an orthopedic surgeon and orthopedic surgeons have a long history trying to treat orthopedic injuries or disease with minimally invasive techniques. And we also have a long history of, of harnessing the body or directing the body's innate healing power And so really using those two thoughts, we've been interested in orthobiologics for a long time. I think this new trend of minimally invasive or needle-based therapy uh, fits really well with the orthopedic surgeon's mindset. But specifically what drew me to orthobiologics from a needle-based treatment perspective is that in standard orthopedics, There's a lot of risk, both for the patient and for the physician, when we're doing these maximally invasive procedures. And even if we say it's minimally invasive, let's be honest, orthopedic surgery is pretty invasive. And so I was feeling really exposed and I was looking for a way to decrease the risk to both myself and for my patient. And I started looking at what was out there and what could be done and what was available and and what kind of support or evidence was there. There's some really compelling outcomes for common orthopedic injuries and diseases that really start pushing your thought process to say, okay, if there is similar outcomes, then why are we exposing ourselves to both the patient and the physician to our increased risk? Uh, And so that's where I started really kind of delving into how do I go about doing this? How do I go about becoming that expert, getting to the cutting edge of medicine where we are decreasing the risk for both the patient and the physician with similar outcomes. And that really has to be important. Absolutely. We work with a lot of orthopedic surgeons and, you know, one of the main things that we're always trying to help patients overcome, or at least patients wrestle through is, is the fact that it's a big commitment. If you're going to go get a hip replacement, that is a major procedure and it's advanced tremendously since, you know, since they started doing it. But yeah, there is a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of recovery time. There's a lot, there's a lot that happens there. So I, mm-hmm. I certainly understand where you're coming from on that. So let's talk about orthobiologics. It's still a relatively new field. 
with any new field, with any new like treatment form, there's a lot of skepticism, there's apprehension that can go into that. So you've talked some about like what drew you to it. I'd love to hear some about how you take that on. How do you face, I'm going to put this as a two-part question. One, I guess, how do you help patients face that apprehension towards this new treatment? And then how do you help, how do you have this conversation with other doctors? Yeah, so I'll address the first one, talking about the patient, uh, because that's really important to me. And basically, the way that we have to have this conversation with our patients is one of guarded optimism and saying, you know, here are things, here are problems that are reasonable to consider all options. And that's how I start the conversation. And I do have the luxury of being able to discuss non-operative and operative Mm. treatments for my patient's condition uh, because I have been doing that and, and I'm a surgeon. And so that is something that I'm comfortable with. And where orthobiologic fits is that space in between conservative treatments such as physical therapy or cortisone or those kinds of things, diet, bracing, and physical uh, the, the space where you're talking about surgical intervention. Mm-hmm. And so I think for a while we've had this problem in orthopedics specifically, but in other realms where we have tried conservative therapy and it has not given a perfect outcome. Yet mm-hmm. you're, the patient's either not ready or not willing, or they're not a candidate for surgical intervention. So they're stuck. They're left sitting here yeah. with a problem that has not been addressed and yet they're not a candidate for or not interested in maximally invasive solution either. And that's really where orthobiologics comes into play. And it's, it's quite powerful to now have a new tool in your tool belt to be able to address these patients that are sitting in front of you every day saying, well, doc, I did my physical therapy and I did this I, injection, but I still hurt. I, st- I still yeah. can't do the things that I love. And you're telling me that there's no other solution? And they're kind of incredulous. Uh, as and then as doctors, we're feeling very unempowered. You know, saying, yeah. "Yep, that's sort of all we have." So this was very, very exciting to be able to share with patients that there is another option. And and while the option does have some detractors, such as the fact that it's not covered by their insurance company, and that it is a new or newer field that there's there is scientific bearing and there are there is scientific support for what we're doing and so what i share with my patients is i said you know this is from a risk perspective it's much less risk uh much less in intervention than surgery and i think the biggest risk is if your pocketbook can can tolerate it (laughs) absolutely we were talking a little bit before the show about the advantages and disadvantages of not going with with insurance, not working directly with the insurance companies. I'd love to hear, love to kind of talk about it here on the show as well, just how that's impacting your experience with patients when that's not at the forefront of every conversation. It's not all about the insurance. Yeah, so I've been really pleasantly surprised as to how this has unfolded in my practice. So 
or the biologics is not currently covered, but hopefully as this treatment gains traction and uh, we have increasing number of outcome studies, it may end up being covered as a covered benefit for a lot of patients with insurance, but currently it's not covered by any uh, of the uh, standard commercial insurances. And so what that allows me to do is have a much clearer conversation with them and say, listen, this is my time. You can pay for my time, my expertise. But what they get is they get an hour with a physician with no interruptions. They're not limited by their insurance. We can talk about anything that needs to be talked about to enhance their their health and wellness. So while they did come to me, to then they want to know about stem cell treatment or PRP or, or the biologic treatments for their shoulder. Oh, by the way, I'm also having you know knee arthritis and I'm having trouble losing weight because I can't exercise. And so we go, we we have the ability to really delve in to wellness and how to optimize each patient's wellness from the whole person perspective. And it's been so enjoyable for me to really get to know my patients and know all of the parts that kind of play in to their overall health and wellness and specifically what's going to be detrimental or a benefit to a orthobiologic treatment that we're considering. And yeah. so I have that luxury to be able to spend this time with my patient. And, you know, to be honest, as a patient, the, that's a luxury to be able to spend an hour with your yeah. physician talking about all of the parts of your health that are going to ultimately affect the outcomes of this treatment. One of the frustrations I hear from, from family members is I go to this specialist and we talk about this one thing and then I go to this other specialist and we talk about this one thing. They're worried that nobody's considering that whole picture. How do I know that this medicine is going to mess this up over here and that this thing isn't going to cause complications with this? And so this is very welcome to hear, very exciting to hear for people because the benefit of specialization is that you do get the physicians that know very much more about that particular thing, but there is this kind of feeling of disconnectedness out there. Yeah, I would agree that the care has been significantly fragmented. And I also think the, the, the physician who is in charge of trying to bring all of the pieces together is our primary care physicians. But they've been significantly disenfranchised. They, from a financial standpoint, they are not reimbursed for what they bring to the table whatsoever. Uh, they've been definitely kind of disenfranchised from that perspective, but then also from a, a hierarchical or respect state of mind, I think the lay public, uh, in addition to the medical community, uh, does not put primary care physicians in the regard that they deserve to be able to try to take all of these pieces of the puzzle and bring this all back to a holistic view of the patient. And I think that there's a number of reasons why that happens, but part of it is the fragmentation of care. I think part of it is from the insurance is driving what can and cannot be done for the patient and how much they're willing to reimburse. We all know that the, the reimbursements have been dropping drastically. And yeah. really it is a disincentive to actually care for your patient. And so if you 
are now operating outside of that paradigm of the standard or uh, standard insurance-driven care, it gives you that freedom to then look at all the pieces of the patient and really generate a very clear way forward for health. We recently were able to have a couple of different sort of like primary care models, uh, I'll say like on the show. And, you know, one of them, you know, Jared, you really, Jared, you know, both of those guests pretty well, but, you know, one of them we had was a direct primary care doctor. And then one of the other, you know, sort of models that we were able to talk about, we were talking with Sean about, about Walmart health, where they come into the picture of trying to supplement that idea of that primary care doctor again. Right, Michael. And I think the interesting part about all of this is as we're, we're exploring the evolution of specialties like orthopedics, and they are directly impacted, of course, by the evolution of primary care itself. And so when we talked with Dr. Farnsworth, who is the DPC or the direct primary care doctor, who incentivizes himself to spend more time per patient, that the care model itself makes it better for him to keep his patients safe and out of the office instead of inviting them back in his mind by not helping them take care of themselves and be preventive about their wellness. And then we had Sean Nason who designed the customer experience, the patient experience, and the employee or associate experience for the first Walmart health clinic that just opened up in Georgia a couple months ago. And from his standpoint, the retail health evolution is just as impactful, if not more, because then it does say, look, at the end of the day, there's still business value in a primary care relationship. Uh, In both cases, in both of those interviews, we heard statistics about the benefits of an actual primary care relationship. And to me, what I saw is the evolution of kind of coming back to this whole idea of of a primary care relationship, meaning that some care models exist now that are making that work again. Because I think when we started to see primary care start to dwindle and, and people ask, well, do I really need a primary care physician? It was because the business models, the old fee-for-service models weren't even working then. Now, all that to say, all that does have an impact on how patients look for and search for new and emerging therapies and who they trust to provide that to them. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what you think about all that, Dr. Demers, in terms of kind of from the patient's standpoint as, as their primary care relationships are changing, how does it impact the way that they hear about kind of new therapies? Yeah, that's really interesting. We live in a a rural community that's been very impacted by a lack of primary care. And so I would say that a majority, greater than 50% of my patients don't have a primary care physician, which from a specialist standpoint is very concerning. Mm -hmm. And so then what happens is that 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 need for defragmentation or to try to synthesize a whole patient view then starts to fall on whoever has the time. And if you're not getting paid for your time, then you're disincentivized to take that time to be able to formulate that. And I do, I agree, you know, that there should be a financial incentive to have that relationship. There's not currently in the standard model, but these are really two very interesting models. I'm more familiar with the DPC model, which is brilliant and I think is gaining traction. And uh, we are actually looking to add that as part of our model 
for specifically for uh, primary care DPC here in our our town. So I am really excited to see what can be done. I think the other thing that that does is it takes the financial way that physicians and patients interact and it takes that discussion out. You know, when you have a membership model, uh, like a DPC model, you pay your fee and you have unlimited access. That feels very different than having to pay every single time that you have to see the doctor. That you start saying, well, it's not that bad. Well, I can look on Google. And it, it starts mm. to degrade your relationship with your physician. It's very exciting to me because it, it really does. And you're very, the, very clear that it really does matter to have that important relationship with your physician who knows you and who knows all of the pieces about you and then can synthesize the best way forward. Absolutely. And I know this is something, again, when, when we're talking about those relationships, those referring relationships, that that is what it's based on partially are those patient expectations. So that was very interesting to hear your take on that. I, I really enjoyed that. One kind of thing that I think is related is just overall how how orthopedics is evolving. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the, uh, the Interventional Orthopedics Foundation, kind of what they're doing to train other physicians in this field. As of this recording, the organization had just held its fifth annual conference. So why don't we start there? How did that go? Yeah, so this conference, uh, the IOF conference, was really quite exciting. And I thought last year's conference was amazing, really mind expanding and uh, very, very valuable as a conference to go to because it is right on the cutting edge of, of what's new and what's possible and what's out there. And it's been really thoughtfully put together. But this year exceeded my expectations uh, based on last year. So this is even more exciting. I think the, the basic science that's out there right now and the translational laboratories that are out there are creating some really great, compelling science to back up what we all think we, we know about the field of orthobiologics, but we're waiting for that science uh, to back it up because I think that's one of the complaints, uh, specifically from orthopedic surgeons, is, well, show me, show me the science. And so this is really exciting times where there is science to back up orthobiologic treatments. And I think if, you, if you're a connoisseur of science, these meetings are, are, are quite mentally stimulating to say, oh my gosh, there is so much out there that we know. I had no idea how granular our knowledge base is becoming. But also it opens up that door like, holy cow, we still don't know X, Y, and Z. But the encouraging thing is, is all of the presenters say, yes, we don't know these things, but here are all the projects that are ongoing currently to answer those questions. So this was really, really exciting. I think the other part of the conference that was great was that we were able to have labs, educational labs, both before and after the conference to help educate physicians. So not only are they coming to this conference and getting knowledge, but they're also able to register for a foundations course in ultrasound and orthobiologics to set the stage. And then in the laboratory 
testing afterwards, there were labs on the nuts and bolts of how do you actually go about applying all of the things you just learned, how do you go about applying those in your clinic with a take-home message and, and how do you go forward? And, and so there were lab both on, on before and after the conference that I think were very, really valuable as well. So is participating in, in one of those events kind of the best first step for an ortho surgeon who's considering orthobiologics or other emerging therapies? What would you recommend? Ultimately, this has been a source of consternation for me, thinking about how do I involve my colleagues in moving forward and being a part of this really, really exciting time in the care of orthopedics and to be able to make sure that they are providing the most up-to-date, scientific, cutting-edge therapies that we can provide while also bridging that gap between standard conservative therapy and surgical therapy and being able to meet our patients' needs that are sitting right in front of us. I think going to an IOF conference is valuable, not only from the educational standpoint, but from the practical standpoint of doing these things, learning these skills. So yeah, I think this is a great way to open the door to what is possible. And then the IOF, the Interventional Orthopedics Foundation, is a foundation that is committed to education. So they are committed to they have a standardized curriculum on how to go forward using both ultrasound and fluoroscopy um, to be able to use needle-based therapies appropriately. Uh, they are right in the middle of creating standards and ethics and guidelines on how to go about ethically uh, in a standardized way applying these therapies. And then also they're really working hand in hand with uh, legal to make sure that these therapies are FDA approved and mm -hmm. that we're not going to get into hot water with how we apply these therapies. So I would definitely recommend going to the Interventional Orthopedics Foundation, but understanding that, that I do think that is a starting point because they also have a standardized curriculum in how to learn the standards that we use and, and not just a weekend course on, oh, uh, now, I'm a, now I'm an expert. <laughs> you know, expertise <laughs> takes time and effort. And that's what the IOF is able to provide for physicians, not only orthopedic surgeons, uh, but also sports medicine, uh, physical medicine rehab, pain management uh, physicians as well. Does the foundation have, has labs at other times of the year as well? Yes. So we have labs throughout the year um, and they, they previously were all based because orthopedic, the Interventional Orthopedics Foundation is based in Denver. They were previously based in Denver, but this past year, we have been able to hold labs across the nation. And this will mark the first time in the fall we'll be actually um, holding an international lab. Oh, good. So this is, yeah, this is really exciting. And uh, throughout the year, they have both they have a foundations course, which is the very first course where if you have never used an ultrasound, you don't even know how to turn it on, you've never done cell counting, you don't really even understand the process of it. That foundations course is really important to kind of set the stage. And then they have 
intermediate and advanced courses for all of the different body part locations, you know, upper extremity, lower extremity, mm. hip, knee, shoulder, spine, uh, throughout the year. Very nice. So you use the phrase connoisseur of science. I think that like needs to be like the foundations, like tagline, like this is for, you know, the, we put on events for connoisseurs of science. So I love that. It's very <laughs> cool. I love it. Well, I you know, it. I mean, you have to have some way, some kind of framework to be able to reasonably and safely move forward with therapies that don't have, it's not a fully fleshed out specialty. It's not, there are, this is new, but you have to have some sort of framework to be able to provide your patients with a safe, effective, well thought out treatment plan based in science. We met at a recent event and one of the things that really just stuck with me was this whole concept of not only are you out there using these new treatments that are out there, but hey, this is something that you're committed to beyond just your practice. This is something that this entire foundation is educating other physicians, is really advancing this field. So I'm very excited about that. I'm very interested to see where it goes. I know a lot of people are, but uh, just really encouraged by this process because there are so many times where patients do get scared by the concept of surgery that maybe not be ready for it yet for, for all the reasons that you mentioned. So it's, it's great to know that there are, there's more than one path for some of this stuff. So Dr. Demers, thank you so much for coming on the show. I feel like there's so many more things we could ask you about and learn from you here, but we definitely appreciate your time today and really look forward to seeing where the IOF goes from here. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being on the show. Well, it's certainly our pleasure. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare. This program is brought to you by P3 Inbound, marketing for ortho, spine, and neural practices. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 